I tell you, we are so blessed that the blessed people <laughs> call us blessed. <laughs> Aren't we? Boy, I, I feel that way. And I have evidence to back it up, too. <laughs> Ephesians 4. We've been on a uh, subject when I've been with you for quite a while now <laughs> called No Place for the Devil. How many think that sounds good? No, no, no place. And it's based on the scripture here in Ephesians 4. If you would look, Ephesians 4 and verse 25. It said, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we're members one of another. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Verse 28. Let him that stole steal no more. But rather let him labor or working with his hands. The thing which is good that he may have to give. To him that needs. So we're told that we're not to give place to the devil. How many believe the Bible is the infallible word of God. Well then you know it's true. So there must be a devil. Or he wouldn't tell you not to give place to the devil. And it must be true that the enemy cannot just take place indiscriminately, but place must be given. Whether ignorantly or knowingly, place must be given. And we are told not to give the devil place, which means we can, right? We can prevent that. We must have the authority and the ability to disallow the enemy from having place in our lives. What would it look like when the devil has place? What's, what would be going on? What would be happening? Well, we know what he does when he has opportunity. Jesus said the thief doesn't come unless he comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. So, does the devil have place in people's lives today? Do we see evidence of destruction? And stealing and killing and devastation in the lives of people today, including Christians' lives. Look with me, if you would, in First uh, Peter, continuing to talk about this. First Peter 5 and verse 8, they'll put it on the screen for us. First Peter 5, 8 says, be sober, be vigilant. We might say, be be awake and, and watchful on guard. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. So are we told as New Testament Christians that we have an enemy who's seeking to hurt us, 
who's seeking, looking to do damage in our lives. Seeking whom he may devour. So again, you can see he, he must not be able to just go destroy whenever, whoever he wants to. Because he is seeking to find who he can. Whom he may devour. And what are we told? Verse 9. Whom resist steadfast in the faith. Now, every word is significant, of course, but resist and don't just resist and quit. Resist and keep on resisting. If the enemy tries to mess with you today, I wish I could tell you that if you'd resist him, it'd be over. But he, he'll come back. He'll try it again and try it again. And if he tries to do something in your life 50 times, what do you got to do? You got to resist 50 times. You don't get tired of resisting and just give in because then you gave him place. You gave the enemy place. What's he going to do when he gets place? He's going to steal. Whatever he can, he's going to kill whatever he can. He's going to destroy whatever he can. Should we take these things seriously? Well, listen to the language. Back, Look at it again. Verse 8. Be sober and be vigilant. Don't be in a stupor. Don't just be acting like nothing's going on. You're not afraid of the enemy, but you're not going to be dumb either. You know he's always looking. To try to get to you. To try to hurt you. So you got to stay on your toes. Spiritually. And we for previous weeks. We, we camped out in Ephesians 6 there. Where the Lord told us. Put on the whole armor of God. Well you know. If you don't have an enemy. Trying to attack you. You don't need all this armor. But apparently we do. And thank God we have it. Go with me, if you would, to the book of James and the fourth chapter. Now, if we have been born again and we are children of God, and if we got the whole armor of God, and if we've got the authority in the name that is above every name, and if the greater one lives inside us, how can it be? That the devil is still stealing, killing, and destroying in the lives of Christians, believers. How can that be? Y'all are too quiet. Well, is it going on or not? It's happening. Well, how can that be, though, when we've got all of this? Well, two big things. This covers a lot of area. We, we see it right here in James. He said, James 4, 7. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now this is big. Every word here. One reason why many Christians are experiencing the devastating work of the devil in their lives, though they're saved, got the armor, got the name, 
is they are not resisting him. You got many church going people, they act like there is no devil. They are not resisting him. They, they're not even aware when he's saying things to them, when he's doing things to them, that it is him. And it, in a lot of churches, it's even taught that these devastating things are somehow from God. And the mysterious, well, if you think it's God, you're not going to resist it. If you don't think there is a devil, you're not going to resist what you don't even sure exists. So we, you've got millions of Christians that are not resisting the devil. And that is a reason, big reason, why even though they have the armor, they got the name, they got the authority, they got the greater one, still the devil is invading their life and they are either ignorantly are partially knowing, giving him the space because they're not putting their foot down. They're not commanding it to stop. They're not resisting it in Jesus' name. They're just saying, well, whatever is to be, will be, and we don't know why God allows all these things. Well, he's allowing what you allow. Amen. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose or allow on earth will be loosed or allowed in heaven. No, our responsibility to resist the devil. Come on, say that out loud, everybody. I, I must, must resist, the devil. resist the devil. See, God's not going to do that for you. He told us to do it. And we can't keep pleading with him to do what he told us to do. He's not going to change and say, okay, forget what I said. We'll do it your way. <laughs> no. Thank God, no. No. Because what he says is right. And what he says works. Say it out loud. Resist the devil. Tell me what will happen. What will happen? He will flee from you. Woo. But you got, he's not going to flee if you don't resist. You have to Resist. And that's the language that you, you see in Ephesians 6, stand against, withstand, having done all, stand, and the implication is stand against, and it's resist, resist, resist. When it comes to the devil, be on your guard, be on your watch, and when you get the first hint that it's him, you go into resisting mode. No, 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 shut up, get out. No, I bind you, I forbid you, no, no, resist, resist. You do it on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and yes, Sunday too. (laughs) Did you hear what Peter said? Resist him steadfast in the faith. You got to stay with it, stay with it. And we've kept on that quite a bit. And if you had not heard this, we are, I don't know, quite a few sessions into this now. It would behoove you to go back and start with us from the front because we're basing this on what we've already gone over. But let me ask you a somewhat disturbing question. <laughs> what if you resist the devil and he doesn't go? 
Has this happened? Has this happened? Yeah. Yes, it has. You know it has. So what's what's up with that? What's it? <laughs> I said two big two big reasons why Christians who have authority, armor, and greater one are still getting devoured by the enemy. One was what? Not resisting. Here's another big one. Back up to the first part of the verse. Oh, come on. Can you see that? The first part of the verse. What did it say? The understood subject here is you. And again, you. You resist the devil. And he will flee from you. But that wasn't what he led with. That wasn't what he started with. What did he start with? You submit yourself to God. Why would he say that? And why would he preface resisting the devil with this? Why? Because if you're not submitting to God, what are you doing? And this has to do with light that you have. James, you know, said this is James uh, just at the end of the chapter here. What is it, 17? Just drop down there and look. Verse 17. It said, therefore, to him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it's sin. Now, why would you say it that way? Because it has to do with what you know. And why would it say to him it's sin? Isn't it just sin to everyone? No. It depends on what you know. It depends on what you see. So one good definition of sin is violation of light. Violation of light. Violation of what you know. Either what you know to do or you know to not do. If you're not submitting to God, that means you know something of him and from him that you have decided not to comply with. Not to do. Does that affect you resisting the devil? You, you, yeah. Why? That would create a scenario where you might tell the enemy to leave and he does not. Why? Because you've given place to him. He knows it. And he knows you know it. And he knows you're listening to him. And so he doesn't have to listen to you. Can you see this? friend? He knows. You can't hold on to something with one hand. And say I don't want it. (laughs) Can you see that? With the other hand, it doesn't work. You can't use something. You know, you, you want to help your children with this as well as yourself. You can't, if you're going to pretend that you're sick so you don't have to go to school or work and then turn around and pray to be healed, doesn't work. You can't lose 
what you use. If you're using it for self-pity, to get some money out of something, you know, you won't be able to turn around and say, I'm believing for this. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're, you're deceiving yourself. <laughs> and you can't say, well, I'm resisting the devil when you're being defiant with God. Because you can't, and if you'll notice in Ephesians 4, he mentioned three things in connection with not giving place to the devil. He mentioned lying. Remember that? He mentioned anger. And he mentioned stealing. Well, see, how many would agree that would be giving place to the devil? If he come, you know, you're in a situation where you've messed up, you're embarrassed, you're ashamed, you're scared, you don't want to tell the truth. Well, the enemy has an alternative. If you don't want to tell the truth, he will bring you a story, an account, an alternate response that is untrue. And that's the only place you can get that. You can't get a lie from God. You can't get a falsehood from God. So if you want a falsehood to try to help bail you out of this situation or uh, save people from knowing how you've messed up or whatever, there's only one place you can get it. And the devil is glad to provide it to you, but he's going to want something in return. In order to take the lie, you've got to not submit to God because he commanded you not to lie. Is that right? You, you got to ignore him and you got to yield to the father of lies. Well, then when you turn around and tell him to go, he'll laugh at you. I mean, this is what he did to Adam and Eve. Can you see that? He's offering knowledge and being like God's, but what he wants is total control over the earth. And they gave it to him. And so he's been doing this ever since. And he is, he never comes obviously. He's very, very subtle, crafty, tricky. And the only way to be safe is you got to make up your mind. I'm going to submit to God. When he tells me you don't lie, you don't lie. Period. No matter what. How many understand if you lie, you hide, you cover, you deceive, you have given place to the devil? What's he going to do with that place? It won't be good. I said it won't be good. Not for you or for the people around you. Anger. The wrath of man doesn't work the righteousness of God. Anybody can get angry, but what was the commandment? Even if you're angry, don't sin and don't hold on to it. Don't let the sun go down on it. What does that mean? You've you got to get this under control within the next few hours at the maximum. You cannot hold on to your anger and your rage day after day. Week after week, that's how people become murderous. But can you see what happened? How does it get to the point 
where somebody, you know, gets to the point they want to go shoot somebody and take their life away, they gave place to the devil back here, maybe sometimes months or even years ago, with this anger. And they just nursed it and let it fester and let it swell and grow in them. And just keep, uh, The Lord commanded us, you cannot do that. You don't hold on to this past sundown. You've got to get it fixed today. Oh, come on. Can you hear that or not? You must get it fixed today. I want you to say it out loud. You must get it fixed today. Yeah, but they did. And yeah, but I must say, none of it's going to fly with God. He said, you've got to get rid of it by Sunday. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but it ain't going to cut it with him. Now this, the reason I keep emphasizing this, this is what has happened. People did things, Christians, and didn't get it fixed. They lied, they deceived, but didn't repent over it. Didn't get it fixed. And somebody said, yeah, but that, that was a long time ago. Yeah, but if your heart's still the same today, that ain't the past. Even though it happened in the past, if your heart's still not right about it and it's still not fixed, it's not the past. People did things they knew they shouldn't have done. They never acknowledged it, never repented over it. In these cases, you can have an open door to the enemy. And he won't leave once he gets access unless he has to. And he knows as long as you're giving that place, he doesn't have to. What did the scripture tell us? Neither give place to the devil. How, how do you close the door? Anybody interested in this? How? How do you close the door and keep it shut? Go with me to 2 Peter, the third chapter. 2 Peter, the third chapter in the ninth verse. He said, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. These are magnificent words and statements. Do not accept that it is ever God's perfect will or pleases Him for anybody to be destroyed. Now, there are all kinds of scenarios where the enemy will try to convince you of that or try to say that or leave that impression. It is not true. God is not willing that any should perish. True or not true? How many? Not any. He's not willing that any. It is not his will. Well, if it's not God's will that people perish... And he's all-knowing and he's all-powerful. 
then that means nobody's going to perish. Well, you know people are perishing. People are perishing physically, emotionally, relationships, financially. People are perishing spiritually. They're dying lost. Are they okay? Are they going to be okay? Yeah, but it's not God's will. How can it be that God, who knows in from the beginning, who's all-knowing, who's all-powerful, and it's not his will that they perish, but that they perish anyway? How can that happen? Free will. We really have it. I said we really have it. To the point where the Almighty will allow us to do that which is Totally against his will. Totally contrary to what pleases him. He's allowing human beings to do this all over the planet. But it does not, it's not his will. So, what's the solution? What can prevent me from perishing? Read the verse. God's not willing that any should perish, but... What prevents the perishing? But that all, the same group, all, all, not willing that any should perish, well that's all, but that all should come to repentance. Oh, repentance is one of the greatest words you have ever heard in your life. It is the gift of God. And it's, it's sad that some groups today are speaking slightly of repentance and have reduced it to something less than what it is. I've heard people say, well, all that means is, you know, changing your mind. <laughs> no, honey child, it means more than that. Yeah. It does include that. Yeah. But with the Lord, it's always about the heart, always about the heart. And repentance is a change of heart that results in a change of mind and word and deed. If there's no heart change, there is no true repentance, no matter what was said and done. You know, you can cry. And use up a whole box of Kleenex. That didn't mean you repented. You may just be upset that you got caught. (laughs) Doesn't mean you repented. You can feel bad and harbor condemnation for three years. That doesn't mean you repented. The Lord doesn't want you in condemnation. He didn't want you ashamed. He didn't want you embarrassed. But you have to repent. Or elsewise, you don't access grace. Some people are leaving the impression that with grace, you don't even need to repent. Other than just changing your mind that everything's done. But that's not true. I said, that's not true. And this, it's no wonder why that is trying to be woven into the church because Repentance is the devil's worst enemy. Can you see this? Because 
If you repent, no matter how terribly you've messed up and what kind of hook the devil's got in you and what kind of place and what kind of doom and destruction is hanging over your head and you got, you know, 500 demons just licking their chops ready to tear your life apart. If you'll hit your knees and repent, poof, it's gone. <laughs> Woo! Repentance is just the greatest thing you ever heard about. How'd you get born again? How'd you get born again? You acknowledged. You're lost. You're not okay. You need Jesus. Right? You acknowledged. I can't, I can't be my own Lord. And you received him. Go with me to 2 Timothy. The second chapter. 2 Timothy 2. We just got through seeing that. God's not willing that any should perish. Let that get cemented. In your mind and heart. Not any. Anytime you see people perishing. Being devoured. Being consumed. Being destroyed. You know without having to know anything else, you know it's not the will of God. Are we on the same page with this? You see somebody being destroyed, you know it's not the will of God. You know it. But how to get out of it, especially a believer who's already been made more than a conqueror and given the armor and given the name and and yet... They got all this problem in their life and all this destruction in their life, getting worse year after year. How do you get that fixed? How do you get it fixed? Not by pretending you didn't make a mistake. Not by hiding, lying, deceiving, covering, harboring anger and grudges. And Can you see that? Because that is continuing to keep the door open and give the enemy place and access. You'll never get rid of it. You won't get it fixed unless and until you repent. You repent. Somebody say repent, repent, repent. In 2 Timothy and the second chapter, Let's see, let's start about 23 up here, 223 or so. He said, foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes. There's a lot of stuff you should not talk about. There's a lot of conversations you should not participate in. Verse 24, the servant of the Lord must not strive. But be gentle to all, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. You ever heard the saying, they're their biggest problem? That's it right there. They are opposing themselves. You already got an adversary, the devil opposing you. You don't want to join on his team. 
against yourself. That's just really dumb. In meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance. I told you it's a gift. Give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Tell me what the truth will do for you, child of God. Oh, but you got to acknowledge it. If you lied, if you stole, if you hurt, you did it. You need to acknowledge it. You don't need to live in condemnation about it, but you need to get it fixed. How do you get it fixed? Maybe you can't, you know, make somebody like you that you have hurt. That's not what we're talking about. But you at least need to acknowledge it. That's what 1 John 1 is talking about. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we hadn't sinned, and you got to back up in the first part of the chapter there, if you're walking in darkness and you say you haven't sinned, you're calling him a liar and the truth is not in you. We cannot just cover things and hide and pretend like they didn't happen. Because even if it happened long ago, if your heart's still like that, that's not the past, this is the present. Can you see this, child of God? And if there's access given to the enemy, he's not going to leave unless he has to. And as long as you're using deception, you're using Anger, you're using unforgiveness, you're using stealing. You can yell and scream at him all you want to. He'll laugh at you. Why? Because you're not submitting to God, you're yielding to him. And he knows if you're yielding to him, he doesn't have to yield to you. He knows it. He said... In meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. You know, a picture of this is the prodigal son. Remember the story about him? He, uh, he took his inheritance. He left home. He left the father. He left everybody. He went and blew it all on partying. The scripture said riotous living. That's bad partying. That's <laughs> He's doing all kinds of stuff he ought not be doing. And then when he ran out of money, his friends were gone too. And the only job he could get was feeding pigs. Man, he has fallen low. And he's in such bad shape, he's looking in the pig trough. Thinking, well, that looks pretty good. That ain't that bad. Maybe I could clean that up. He's so hungry. And the Bible said he came to himself. He came to himself. What does that mean? Is that acknowledging the truth? He came to himself and he said, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. He said, what am I doing? At my father's house, they got plenty of food. I mean, all the staff and employees eat good. And what am I doing out here? I know what I'm going to do. 
I'm going to go home. I'm going I'm to tell the father, Father, I've sinned. Oh, can anybody hear this or not? Should we take the words of Jesus seriously? What, what did he say? I've sinned against heaven and before you. Do we need to make things right with people as well as God? Well, if you have done wrong against them, yes. Yes. I know it's embarrassing. I know it's inconvenient. But yes. Remember what the Lord said one time? He said, uh, if you're bringing your your gift to the altar and you remember that your brother has something against you. Now, that's not you got something against him. He's got something against you. What would say? Don't give yet. Leave your gift. Go. Be reconciled to your brother. Then come. And give your gift. Why? Because these things undermine your faith. And if you're not doing it with the right heart and right faith, you won't be blessed. So you postpone your giving until you get this fixed. Did the Lord Jesus tell us to do that or not? He did. How about Mark 11, 23 and 24 and 25? Must say 25? Yeah, 25. Verse 24. Jesus said, What things soever you desire when you pray, believe you receive them, and you shall have them. Verse 25, and. So he wasn't through talking. And when you stand praying, do what? Forgive. Why bring that up now? In the middle of this wonderful faith principle. Why bring that up? Why? Can it affect your faith? What he's talking about here? Your outcome, your result? When you stand praying, you know it. He's saying he hadn't changed subjects. While you are there praying, saying, I believe, I receive. While you're doing this, be sure that you forgive. If you got anything against anybody. That or so that your Father, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. But what's that got to do with anything? Verse 26. If you don't forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive you your trespasses. We got people that don't even believe that anymore. How can you say, I'm big on verse 24? (laughs) That's for me. That's for me. Verse 25, no, that's changed. That was just for them. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Brother Kenneth Hagin, Sr., who's in heaven now, my father in the faith, and influenced many of you too, I know. He said, if my faith and my prayers weren't working, this would be the first place I'd look. Forgiveness. I'm quoting him. He said, I refuse to allow the least bit of ill will or hard feeling in my heart against anybody about anything. Now, here's a man you could call an apostle of faith, right? And what does he know about faith? You cannot have 
violation of the love command. You cannot have violation of light. Why? Because if you give place to that ill will and that anger and that grudge, you have given place to the enemy. Can you see that? He's the one involved in all of that. And you're being defiant because your Father God commanded you to forgive and not even stay mad about it past the sun going down. Didn't he? Should we take the Lord seriously when he tells us to do something? Why? Because any degree of defiance and disobedience is opening the door to the enemy and inviting him in. And we know in our hearts and minds we don't want to do that. We know what he's going to do when he comes in. He's going to hurt you. All he can. Take you out prematurely if he can. But good news, good news, good news. Repentance is available right now. Forgiveness and washing and cleansing streams uninterrupted from the mercy seat and the throne. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. But it must be received. And if you hadn't done anything, there's nothing to repent over. If you're not going to acknowledge you even made a mistake, there's nothing to receive forgiveness for. Can you see the problem? That's why you must acknowledge and confess. Not to stay in condemnation. You want to get past that quick as you can. But you have to acknowledge it. Confess it. That's why, and you got to mean it from the heart or there's no repentance. Go back to 2 Timothy, 2nd chapter, 25. He said, In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, keep going, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. Now, we've got every reason to think he's talking about believers here. He's writing to believers. If they're not a believer, this is not their biggest problem. Their biggest problem is they need to get saved. So there's an implication that they are. He's talking about believers. He's been talking to believers. He's been talking about believers throughout this whole book. So this is somebody that has been taken by a trap of the devil, taken captive by him at his will. So now the enemy's will is being accomplished in their life. And they, they stuck their foot in a trap. They, they let him trick them. How do you get out? How do you get out, child of God? Repent and acknowledge the truth. The truth will make you free. And that, when you really do it from your heart, you meet the, the, the love, the power, the forgiveness, the cleansing, the work of the Holy Spirit, 
and you are empowered to recover yourself. Nobody has to deliver you or you know, pray over you even. You just doing that recover yourself out of the snare and the trap. What happened? You shut the door. You shut the door on the enemy. He has no more place in your life, no more freedom to operate. Your foot is out of his trap. And his will is stopped in your life. And tell me what affected it. Repentance and acknowledging the truth. Oh, can you say thank you, Lord? Oh, praise God. Just lift your hand and thank him for a moment. Lord, we thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, we thank you, Father. Oh, we thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Yeah, Brother brother Hagen, whom I know, knew something about faith, and now he knows even more. <laughs> He's, he, I'm quoting him. He said, if my faith and my prayers weren't working, this is the first place I'd check. He's talking about Mark 11, 24. He'd check verse 25. But why the Lord put them together? They actually wasn't written in verses. It's, it's one flow. He said, "I refuse." How many think this is good? Good counsel, good advice. I refuse to allow the least bit of ill will or hard feeling in my heart against anyone. Now you you got to make up your mind, or you'll give place to it. Because people can do and say some ugly stuff. They can. But uh, I mean when they nailed Jesus to the cross. What did he say? Father forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You reckon Jesus operated that way. He didn't allow the least bit of ill will a hard feeling. You know he did. You see it. He's our example. That's not just the right thing to do and a nice, holy, righteous thing to do. It is necessary for you to stay safe. It's necessary for you to keep the doors closed to the enemy. It's necessary for your faith to work. Look with me in closing, I think. No guarantees. <laughs> First Timothy 4. You're there close by, but just back up a little bit to 1 Timothy 4. If Jesus has already paid for all the sins of the world, and it's not God's will that any should perish, And Jesus has already been judged for those sins. Paid the price. And rose from the dead triumphant over it. Then how can somebody wind up dying lost and going to hell? See there are people that will try to tell you perversions and distortions of grace. 
that basically it's all been done no matter what you think or what you don't think or what you believe. Well, if that's right, then everybody will be saved because he has paid the price. And if it's not based on anything you do, then everybody will be saved. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Lord said there's few that be saved, didn't he? And there's a broad way that leads to destruction and many that are going down that path off into destruction. Well, how can that be? Listen to this in 1 Timothy 4.10. 1 Timothy 4.10. Therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust. Everybody say we trust. We trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men. That's not a period. I said that's not a period. Especially of those that believe. Now why would you say that? Is he the Savior of all men or not? Yes and no. (laughs) Is Jesus the Savior of all men or not? Yes and no. He's the only Savior available to them. He has taken on their sin and paid for it already. But is He their Savior? Are they saved? No. Unless they receive Him. Unless they believe. Especially of them that believe. That especially could also be translated most of all. Are above all. Above all. Those that believe. And it is true. That as a believer. Any mistake or failure. That you might do. The Lord has already paid for it. You might say well what. What do I need to repent for. Well why does anybody need to receive Jesus for. You need to do it. For your own sake. Yes the work is done. Nothing else needs to be done. It's done. That doesn't mean you've received it. When you violated light, your heart will condemn you. Not the Holy Spirit. Your heart will condemn you because you know what you know. You know what you did and what you shouldn't have done. You know. Now You can play games about it, but in your heart you know. And if you know, God knows. Is that right? He knows. (laughs) And how can you get rid of that condemnation? Not by pretending it didn't happen. That doesn't work. What do you got to do? Repent. Oh, somebody say repent. It should be music to your ears, child of God. Repent. It's a gift. I said it's a gift. Don't run from the Lord. He already knows. Don't try to hide. Are you kidding? You can't hide anything from Him. What do you do? You run to Him. You run to Him. And you don't wait till later. And you certainly don't wait five years while the enemy chews you up. 
What do you do? Immediately, immediately when your heart bothers you, you run to him. You acknowledge it. You say, Father, I missed it. I've sinned. You know it. I judge that. It's wrong. And don't wallow in condemnation. Receive forgiveness. Receive cleansing and washing. Receive the righteousness of God. But you've got to receive it. Well, if you didn't miss it, there's nothing to receive. There's no reason to receive. And, and, if you sinned against somebody, go to them. Tell them. Ask their forgiveness. And whether they forgive you or not, you've done what you need to do. Can you see this? And you don't have an open door. You don't, you're not giving the enemy any access. The gift of repentance, the acknowledging of the truth enables you to recover yourself out of the snare and trap of the enemy. Oh, does it sound good? Does it sound good? And so you can get free and you can stay free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then, child of God, then, 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 when you know, God knows, and the devil knows that you are not in disobedience, your heart's not bothering you, you are submitted to God. You are yielded to his word. You're walking in the light that you have now, child of God, you in a place of authority. You got every right to say, devil, shut up, get out of here, and he will flee. There's no ifs, ands, and buts about it. He's gone. He's gone before you get through saying it, because he knows that you know. You know that he knows. I'm not playing with you anymore. We have shut the door. You're on the outs. And God is in. Hallelujah. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. And he'll flee from you. Stand on your feet everybody. This ministry has been brought to you today. Free of charge. By the partners of More Life Ministries. And Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge. You can become a word sender today. For more information. Visit our website at morelife.org.